I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. You're listening to Chain Reaction, the weekly news roundup for all things affecting global supply chains this week. In this week's roundup, energy costs, inflation, Fertilizer costs on the farm, inventories at retailers rising, HGV driver strikes in South Korea, the OECD forecast for the outlook, the war in Ukraine continues, and until it's solved, there'll be no respite for supply chains. Rail strikes in the United Kingdom, and Russia, well, the economy doing better than expected. India and China take up the slack from the sanctions imposed by the European Union on Russian oil and gas. Fertilizer costs are hitting farms all over the globe as they try to acquire sufficient fertilizers to protect crops. Those crops, of course, contain phosphates and nitrates, and those chemicals have been affected and impacted by the Ukraine-Russia war. So good for the climate, not good for the farmers. A year ago, I reported on the fertilizer problem in the United Kingdom. As energy prices rose, CF, which is a fertilizer company with two sites, one in Billingham in the northeast of England and the other at Ince near Warrington in the United Kingdom, stopped production. And it took a few weeks before government acted to offer support to the company so that it opened up to provide fertilizers. And it wasn't just fertilizers, because it's the CO2 that's produced in the production process that's needed for many food firms. This week, CF Fertilizers announced that the INS factory is to close, with more than 280 jobs lost. So one of those plants is now closing. The INS plant has been under threat for over a year now, and they've decided to pull the plug. CF is owned by a US company. And once again, it's the energy prices that have made the plant uneconomic. The INS plant hasn't produced ammonia since September 2021. So fertilizer capacity reduced just at a time when it's needed more. The plant at INS has been there for over 100 years, and this closure could bring a threat to food security once again in the United Kingdom. U.S. retailer Target has this week announced that inventories will hit profit. It says that its profit has dropped, it needs to cancel orders with vendors, and offer discounts to clear all that just-in-case stock that they're holding. Tesla has cancelled three recruitment drives planned for June in China. This is due to the ongoing problems of meeting output of Tesla cars in Chinese plants due to the COVID-19 restrictions and the policy of non-tolerance towards COVID. In the United Kingdom, fuel prices continue to rise and it's now costing the average consumer £100 to fill up the tank. Diesel prices are higher and this is affecting the transportation of all goods. Oil prices are currently at $123 per barrel and there's no sign of any respite coming soon. It will depend on output. As soon as output increases, prices will drop. Presently, oil refineries have limited capacity to 
ramp up fuel production, and that too is putting pressure on prices. Oil refineries seem to be making hay while the sun shines. They are charging more for the refinery processes in pushing through oil and turning out both gasoline, petrol and diesel. One of the added pressures in the United Kingdom, of course, is that uh, oil is priced in dollars. And because it's priced in dollars, with the exchange rates also having fallen slightly in the past couple of weeks, then... That's pushing up prices too. The UK government takes about 29% in fuel duty on every litre of oil, petrol, sold. And some people are asking for that fuel duty to be reduced because it's a stealth tax on the consumer. And in times of hardship, there has to be some room for manoeuvre. US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen testifies during the House. Ways and Means Committee, and she said this week she didn't expect the US economy to tip into recession, but growth would slow down and gasoline prices will not fall in the near future. If you wonder why China is the workshop of the world and makes many of the consumer products that you have around your home or in your business or indeed components in branded goods, well, there's one reason for that. They've been a low-cost, and by low-cost I mean low-labor-cost economy, able to manufacture goods. Some of that's changed in recent times. The World Bank says that China is a a middle-to-higher-income country now, and wages are on the rise, of course. And as wages rise, China itself will search around for lower-labor-cost countries to produce the products that they're made in China to keep costs low and stay competitive. China's business ecosystem of network suppliers, component manufacturers, distributors is strong enough to withstand any pressure. And it's evolved to be efficient and cost-effective in manufacturing products. While the Western manufacturers comply with various health, safety, employment and environmental regulations, China operates under a much more permissive regulatory framework. And China's been accused of artificially depressing its own currency in order to keep the prices of goods lower than those produced by U.S. competitors. It has the highest share of manufacturing output in the world, and it doesn't have any minimum wage. In South Korea, truck drivers have embarked on an aggressive strike. They threaten deliveries of raw materials for semiconductors, petrochemical products, and other things. It's the fourth day of the strike, and they're protesting against soaring fuel costs. Hyundai Motor Corporation is the biggest factory complex affected, and they've halved production. Shipments are disrupted for a range of, co- for a range of companies, including steelmaking giant POSCO. According to the OECD report, the United Kingdom is set for slow growth. It expects the UK economy to grow by 3.6% this year and followed by a zero growth position next year. Now, of course, if inflation continues, that will definitely mean that there'll be stagflation. It means that the UK will go very quickly from the second fastest growing economy in the G7 of industrial nations to the slowest growing in 2023. The factors which are influencing this uh, view, of course, are higher interest rates in the UK, higher taxes, 
reduced trade and more expensive energy and food. Now, all those things have come about as a result of a number of factors, energy cost being the biggest, and that's caused by the war in Ukraine. So the sooner that the war in the Ukraine ends, the United Kingdom would do much better. But of course, there's also the Brexit issues in the United Kingdom, which are impacting trade arrangements, and not least the Northern Ireland Protocol situation, which is still unresolved. Inflation is expected to keep on rising, and it's likely to peak fairly soon at around 10%, and it's hoped it will decline during 2023. Now that is dependent on lots of things changing, but of course they could do, and if they do, that would make a different story and a different picture. So although it looks like doom and gloom presently, that situation could swiftly change. Energy prices, of course, are the biggest drain on the UK economy, and those energy prices are pushing up the cost of everything in supply chains, from food, energy itself in the form of petrol, diesel, and of course oil oil and gas products, fertilisers, all kinds of things. It also depends on how consumers respond to the economic conditions, and it's possible that the new measures announced by the Chancellor in the United Kingdom could make the situation more inflationary. It depends. It's important to, po- it's important to point out at this point that uh, it is a forecast, and forecasts have a nasty habit of being inaccurate. A speedier end to the war in Ukraine would change the position significantly. That doesn't look likely at the moment, but things again could change very quickly. OECD inflation projections put the United Kingdom at 8.8% in June 2022, Germany at 7.2%, Canada at 6%, United States at 5.9%, and France at 5.2%. About 15% of grain is moved in the United States by rail. And I've been reading over the past few weeks about holdups on moving goods by rail and some of the problems encountered. And it struck me with the United Kingdom about to have the Railway and Maritime Transport Union strike on the rail system, that it won't just be passengers affected, but it will be food supplies and other goods that are transported by rail. I know, for example, that Tesco, one of the UK's largest supermarkets, moves quite a lot of food products by rail, and others will be affected too. So it will be interesting to watch as that strike unfolds, what impact it will have on food supply chains. Well, it was reported by The Economist this week that Russian oil continues to flow into Europe despite the agreement to ban Russian oil. The European Union is not united in the implementation of this by the looks of things. It was agreed by the EU to ban Russian oil on May the 31st, but oil pumped from Russia into the EU rose by 14% between January and April, from 750,000 to 857,000 barrels per day. The embargo applies only to seaborne crude and petroleum products, covering just 75% of the imports from Russia. Oil supplied by pipeline to a handful of countries in Central and Eastern Europe is temporarily exempt, and so oil continues to flow into those countries. 
Those taking oil from the pipeline include the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Hungary, Poland and Germany. India has increased its intake of Russian oil from Rosneft as international buyers have turned away from Russian oil. Russian crude to India with the new six-monthly supply contracts is said to increase. Cargoes will be delivered from Rosneft with the seller to handle shipping and insurance matters. These supply agreements, when concluded, will be separate and on top of the shipments that India already buys from Russia with other deals. Crude from Russia is currently trading around 120 US dollars per barrel. Russia is dependent on both India and China to take up the slack, which will be released by the European Union, not taking Russian oil in the same quantities. India imports 85% of its oil. The Biden administration in the United States has tried to put pressure on India to take less Russian oil. Like the rest of the world, India is currently suffering from increases in food prices and inflation. And the country claims that the amount of Russian oil is very low compared to what would be supplied to Europe. India isn't doing anything illegal in its dealings. It's simply buying oil at low prices. But some, while the war goes on in Ukraine, think that it may be unethical. China, too, has ramped up its supply of oil from Russia since March. And it's doubled every month since. So in March, it was about 26 million barrels. It went up to the 50s. And it's now in the 70s to 80 area. So they're taking advantage, too. China, of course, needs a lot of energy to be that workshop of the world. And you can listen more about that in the midweek episode of Chain Reaction this week, where I'll talk a little more about China and the dependency of many supply chains on that country. Well, don't forget to listen to the midweek edition of Chain Reaction when we'll be talking about China and the West's dependency. In the meantime, I'm signing off. I'm Tony Hines. You've been listening to Chain Reaction News Roundup. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. been listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, written, presented and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains. Now we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.